This week on the podcast, university workers fight for a fair workplace, anti-France protests in Nigeria, and why you should become a Green Left supporter. This podcast was recorded on stolen land. Green Left is committed to supporting struggles for First Nations justice. Welcome to the latest episode of the Green Left News Podcast. I'm Isaac Nellis and today I'm joined by Chloe DS. Welcome. Good to be here. So Green Left has kicked off its annual supporter drive this week and we're asking you to help keep this project going. Green Left's the only place where you can get ongoing frontline reporting from climate and social movements, workers' rights campaigns and activist events across the country and internationally. For more than 30 years, Green Left has been providing an alternative to the corporate media, centering activist voices and revealing the hypocrisy of the capitalist system. For the latest news, analysis, cultural discussion, as well as podcasts, videos and more, you need Green Left. And as a people-powered media project, Green Left needs you. We don't receive any corporate funding or advertising and rely entirely on our supporters. So please sign up today from as little as $5 a month or make a donation to our 2023 Fighting Fund at greenleft.org.au slash support. Now on to the news. We need a powerful movement to make action on climate change unstoppable. These were the words of Rising Tide organiser Alexis Stewart at a packed out meeting at Redfern Town Hall in Gaddy or Sydney on September 4. The meeting was one of Rising Tide's national speaking tour uh, to build its two-day people's blockade of the world's largest coal port in Mullabimba or Newcastle from November 25 to 26, which it hopes will involve thousands of people. There will also be preparation, action and debriefing on November 24 and 27. Stewart said that Rising Tide wants to build a civil resistance movement to shut down the Newcastle coal port for at least two days. We need to create a people power movement of historic proportions, she said. Get involved in the blockade by visiting risingtide.org.au. Meanwhile, in Western Australia, Disrupt Barup Hub held a silent protest in front of Woodside's headquarters on September 4th against the Western Australia government's crackdown on protesters engaging in direct action to encourage climate action. The West Australian police have stepped up their harassment of climate protesters, including pulling a gun on a 21-year-old activist, Emil Davey. The harsh anti-protest laws recently introduced across different states are being used to target climate activists, and this really highlights the need for mass action against the climate crisis, like what the rising tide blockade is trying to achieve. Meanwhile, the Queensland government has been reported to the United Nations Committee Against Torture over its decision to suspend its Human Rights Act to be able to detain children in adult watch houses. Police Minister Mark Ryan introduced the amendment on August 23, which removes all protections for children in detention. And since its tough stance and statewide crackdown on youth crime began, complete with new laws to target youth offenders and, in particular, re-offenders, detention centres have become completely overloaded. This has led to children as young as 10 years old being held in police watch houses for weeks at a time, which has been the subject of legal challenges in recent months. To avoid any more legal headaches, Queensland Labor has temporarily suspended its Human Rights Act, at least until newly built youth detention centres are operational in 2026. More than 180 organisations and individuals representing First Nations, disability and human rights 
legal groups and experts have written to Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk and other ministers condemning the move. Members of the National Tertiary Education Union in Victoria are continuing their campaigns for better working conditions, secure jobs and fair pay. More than 250 NTU members at RMIT were joined by students and supporters on August 31st for a stop work meeting. It was timed with the Victorian NTU's strike week, which began on August 28th and was timed in conjunction with industrial action across other university campuses across NAM Melbourne. Liam Ward told RMIT Action that the NTU wants agreements that are equitable for all staff. He said gross inequity between workers is a consequence of this and said two people doing the same work will receive different pay rates and different super, even working in the same room. The stop work meeting voted to escalate industrial action with a 24-hour stop work to be held on September 13. Meanwhile, hundreds of NTU members at Monash University protested outside a meeting of the university's executive council on September 6. A petition with more than 700 signatures for pay rises, secure jobs and fairer workloads was submitted to the university council. And NTU members across the country are optimistic with branches securing new agreements with decent pay rises and other entitlements. And now let's hear what is happening around the world. The Emmanuel Macron-led French government has imposed a ban on long dresses and tunics worn by students in a deliberate move to exploit Islamophobia. Newly appointed Education Secretary Gabriel Attal announced at the end of August uh, an extension of the racist 2004 law banning young Muslim women from wearing headscarves in schools. He said from now on, long abaya dresses and kami male tunics would also be considered conspicuous religious symbols and forbidden. Unfortunately, large segments of the French left, including the Communist Party, Socialist Party and the General Confederation of Labour Unions, or CGT, supported the government's decision. Some sections of the CGT condemned the move, however, including CGT Education 93, who called it a racist polemic aimed at hiding a political vacuum and denounced it as a racist and sexist decision to stigmatise Muslim girls. France Intimise is one left group opposing the ban, with parliamentary coordinator Manuel Bompard calling it a cruel and dangerous decision. Muslim groups have pointed out that the abaya is not even a religious clothing item and a Muslim rights association is planning a court action. Freedom to practice religion is a basic human right and secularism in schools is not supposed to ban religious expression. These bans are a racist twisting of the secular principle and should be fought against. Meanwhile, protests continue against French troops in Niger as a new military government who ousted President Mohamed Bazoum in July gains more popular support. Thousands have taken to the streets to rally behind the National Council for the safeguarding of the country and demand an end to French economic, military and political domination and oppose foreign military intervention.
The military government has cut off water and power supply to the French embassy and demonstrations outside the 1,500-troop French military base in Niamey have become frequent. In response, Macron has called for a military invasion of Niger by the Economic Community of West African States, or ECOWAS. However, the current chair of ECOWAS, Nigeria's president, Bola Tinubu, said on August 26th that we are deep in our attempts to peacefully settle the issue in Nigeria by leveraging on our diplomatic tools. ECOWAS governments are facing internal pressures, including anti-war protests to not invade Nigeria, but the military government are still on high alert. Meanwhile, the foreign ministers of Burkina Faso and Mali have visited Niamey on August 24th to reiterate their support. In Germany, thousands of Berliners took to the streets on bicycles on August 25 to protest the dominance of motor vehicles in the city, discriminatory road traffic laws and car-centric urban planning. Starting from Marienplatz in Kreuzberg, the colourful, noisy convoy moved along Berlin's main roads on a spontaneous route through the city. The demonstration, which happens on the last Friday of every month, is part of the global critical mass actions that began in 1997 and aimed to draw attention to the car-centric design of cities and reclaim streets from cars and other motor vehicles. In Berlin, cyclists and pedestrians make up 70% of traffic deaths, and cyclist deaths have risen in the past few years. 10 cyclists died and 649 were seriously injured in Berlin last year alone, according to the German Cycling Association. After spending five years in jail, Russian political prisoner Azat Miftikov was meant to go free on September 4th. Instead, the mathematician and anarchist was told in late August he would be formally charged with incitement to terrorism, opening the possibility he could remain in prison for at least another two to five years. First detained in 2019, Miftikov was found guilty of hooliganism and sentenced to six years jail in 2021 for allegedly breaking a window at an office of the ruling United Russia Party. His sentence was later reduced and about to expire when it was reported on August 25th that Miftikov now faces a new charge based on allegations he expressed approval of the bombing of the Federal Security Services building that occurred in 2018. In response, protest actions were organised in various countries on September 2nd. Miftikov's case has drawn support from a wide range of groups due to his achievements in the field of mathematics. About 3,500 mathematicians from around the world have put their names to an open letter in his support and a petition has been signed by high-profile intellectuals and politicians. West Papuans and supporters say they've been let down by the Melanesian Spearhead Group's leaders over a decision not to admit the United Liberation Movement of West Papua as a full member at its August 23-25 summit in Port Vila, the capital of Vanuatu. Australia West Papua Association spokesperson Joe Collins said that over the last few months in West Papua, the grassroots movements have taken to the streets calling on the Melanesian Spearhead Group to grant full membership to the OLMWP. He said it was tragic that the MSG did not respond to their call and the Australian West Papua Association has pointed to two reports, one by the PNG Trust and one by Human Rights Monitor, which reveal human rights abuses by the Indonesian military in West Papua. There's also concern that Indonesia may be leveraging influence over Pacific Island leaders 
via funding deals. Uruguay is facing a water crisis as countless water-related conflicts break out across the country in response to shortages. In the capital, Montevideo, home to 1.7 million people, around 50% of the country's population, the water is drinkable but far above the legal level of salinity for human consumption. The Environment Minister raised the, the legal limit of salt from 200 milligrams per litre to 440 milligrams per litre, and the legal limit of chloride from 440 milligrams to 750 milligrams per litre. Water scarcity has been brought on by a drought that started in 2020, with dams that used to provide the city drinking water are no longer high enough to draw from. Another factor is the irrigation law, implemented in 2016, that opened up the water system to commodification and exploitation by financial markets. Environmental activists have mobilised under the slogan, it's not drought, it's looting. And you can read more about all of these stories we've talked about today, plus videos, detailed analysis and book and music reviews at greenleft.org.au. Rallies are being held all over the world on Saturday, September 16th, marking one year since the killing of Kurdish-Iranian woman Gina Masa Amani by Iran's morality police and the beginning of the woman life freedom movement in Iran. In Australia, rallies are being held in Adelaide at 3pm at the Hind Marsh Square, Canberra at 1.30pm at the Canberra Times Fountain, Nepaluna or Herbart at 2pm at Parliament Lawns, Nam Melbourne at 3pm at Federation Square, uh, Burulu Perth at 11am at Barak Square and Gadi Sydney at 3pm at the Archibald Fountain in Hyde Park North. Also on September 16, there's a global day of action against Japan's dumping of nuclear waste from the Fukushima power station into the Pacific Ocean which we've talked about on previous episodes of the podcast. You can find out more about both of these important international movements, as well as other activist and political events in your city by visiting the Green Left Activist calendar at greenleft.org.au slash events. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, you can become a Green Left supporter today from $5 a month and donate to our 2023 Fighting Fund to help us continue reporting on workers, climate and social justice movements. Go to greenleft.org.au slash support to help us out. Your support is really appreciated. And remember to follow Green Left on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads and TikTok for the latest news and analysis. Thanks for listening.